Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Welcome to Profoundly Pointless. My name is Nick Vinzant. Coming up in this episode, colors. It does go unnoticed, but it turns out that the effects of color are really both powerful and far-reaching. We've long believed that we all saw the same colors, but more recent studies show we each developed similar, not yet not exactly the same color vision. And the individual experience shape our understanding of color. When you look at a new product or when any consumer looks at a product, they tend to make a decision about that product in 90 seconds or less. And the single most crucial component in that decision is color. Color accounts for roughly, I think about 90% of the initial judgment. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, subscribe, leave us a rating or a review. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. So our first guest is an expert in colors, why we like certain colors, the psychological effect they can have on us, how brands use colors to try and get us to buy more stuff, and even how the things that are happening today will determine what colors we like years from now. It's a fascinating, fascinating look at just how big of an impact colors have on our lives. This is color expert, Kate Smith. So, like, how aware are we of the impact of color in our lives? Is this something that we think about, or do we just kind of just go unnoticed, basically, for us? Well, it does go unnoticed, but it turns out that the effects of color are really both powerful and far-reaching. And there's many aspects of our lives, you know, the color that are affected by color that we don't even, like you said, that we don't notice or we don't know about. Where would you say like, oh, this is always going, this is where color has a big impact on you? Probably four areas uh, that I often will give examples of. So let me give you one. University of Rochester does a lot of studies and they've studied the color red pretty extensively in particular. And they have a study that's demonstrated that men are more physically attracted to women wearing the color red. So red red dress, red lipstick, but they're not aware of it. Most men are not aware of it, but studies have shown that they're more likely to ask the woman on a date, spend more money. But the thing is, it's not just men. The same is true for women. So a later study that they did determined that women are just as much influenced by red and are more likely to find men attractive who wear red. One of the other places where color tremendously affects us is with food and eating. And so we have a very strong relationship between what we see and our perception of how good something is. Um, And we can even use certain types of plates and settings to enhance our perception of what we think a food's going to taste like or what the quality is, whether it's true or not. And 
It goes into things like they study things like orange juice. The flavor, it could be exactly the same, but if they change the lighting to make the juice look more or less, say, yellow than bright orange, people don't think it's as good. So it's our, our signals from our brain about color just have a tremendous impact on how we react every single day to things that are just part of our everyday, you know, just our, just how we live. The Travel Lodge in the UK did a fun study on can the color of your bedroom impact the amount of sleep and the quality of sleep? And it turns out, yes, it can. That they found that walls, blue walls, which so many people have blue in their bedroom, are the best promoters of red rest, followed by green and I think it was yellow. And that the worst are rooms that are gray, beige, brown, or purple. So is that because of some way that our brain is fundamentally wired in this way, or is that just our personal preferences? It's it's both. And here's how that here's how that works is there's two people call it kind of color psychology, but I divide it into three sort of areas that and one is the actual effect that color has on our brain, regardless of whether we're aware. It doesn't matter our age, our sex, where we're from in the world, nothing. There's just a, a, an impact that color has on us. There's other things that are impacted by where we're from, the culture that we grew up in, um, and what we're used to see, you know, what our associations with colors are. So things like um, uh, one that most people know, we think of a wedding dress, people would say white, although even in the U.S. that's somewhat changing. But if you said that in an Asian country, they would say the most typical is red. So those are kind of associations that we make just based on where we've grown up and what we've known throughout our life. But the most impactful may be our personal color associations. So we've long believed that we all saw the same colors, but more recent studies show that as a response to our outside world, we each develop similar, not yet not exactly the same color vision. And the individual experience shape our understanding of color. So it's kind of like a chameleon. So it can trick us and change our perception. But it's based on what our brain recognizes as our past experience. So what I see as red might not be what you see as red? Red's a great example, Nick, because... Women actually perceive red, more variations in red than men do. Are we talking about small differences in the sense that like I see blue, you see light blue, or are we talking about I see blue, you see green? Yeah, it's, it's a great question and it's both. In fact, um, we do, if you say, hey, it's a blue shirt and I'll say, yeah, it's a blue shirt. We can agree on that. But in general, we would see the same general color. Part of that's based on our language, believe it or not, and how we've spoken about colors and how we've identified colors. Because there's studies that show that in some places, there was no differentiation for the word between blue and green. And that's then affects, our language affects how, how well we see color. There's, I, I teach a lot of people about color. And one of the things is the more uh, accurately you can verbalize what you see, the better you're going to become at seeing it and vice versa. So it's sort of a two-way thing. So just to make sure I kind of understand this, like people with regular eyesight, 
can interpret the same color differently based on their experiences and background? Yes. You want me to give you a good example that you would yeah. probably recognize? Remember the oh, dress? I remember the dress. <laughs> yeah, it disrupted everyone's understanding of color. And it actually took scientists, color scientists, two years to figure out why. And it was something that they hadn't really studied or been aware of before, but it was such a big, like an internet phenomena. But what it showed was that people's perception, um, it informs how they perceive color. And a big part of that is the lighting. And so that image of the dress, which was taken, I think, on a cell phone, there was a lot of ambiguity or uncertainty in terms of what the lighting conditions were. And any time we see something related to color and we're faced with uncertainty, our mind confidently fills in the gaps in knowledge by making assumptions all behind the scenes. We're not aware. So our mind perceives what it's most frequently encountered in the past. And that's how we judge. So in that case, the dress, do you remember which co what color it was? Was it blue or black or white and gold? I, black and gold. <laughs> Your choice is blue and oh, black or white okay. and gold. Blue and, blue and black then. <laughs> I, <laughs> but thanks for hedging your I bets. I cover both. That's my background is to allow wiggle room where I'm not technically right and not technically wrong at the same time. <laughs> well, you're wrong. That was a perfect answer then. The dresses was actually blue and black. Although most people saw it as white and gold, at least at first. And even how we feel can influence how we see color. And I often say that seeing color is not as much about what you see and more about what you think you see. So are, are colors, I know you work with a lot of brands and places like that, are colors standardized in the sense that is red, red? And no matter who makes red, if it's this paint company or this paint company or this manufacturer or whatever, that is red and this is blue. That would make life so easy. I wish it was that simple. Um, there's thousands of, of different colors that people would consider red depending on the brand, but there are standardized systems. One that many people might know is Pantone. Pantone has a standardized system of color and it allows you to communicate, let's say with somebody far away. If they had the Pantone standard and you had the Pantone standard, you could look at it and both say it's this particular PMS number is what we're going for. Because the only way to, at least still today, to accurately make sure that you and I are on exactly the same idea of what that red is, is to look at it and to have a standard. Otherwise, say I say, oh, it's kind of an apple red. Well, my apple may be a different red than yours. So does every color have an impact on us psychologically or is it only certain colors? I would say every color does to some degree. Certain colors have a stronger impact. And we've already talked about red. Red is the color with the mo with really the most impact on our psychology. And part of it is because, sort of interesting, when you think of red, what do you associate with the color red? Warning, probably a little bit. Warning. I sure. definitely notice it. Mm -hmm. I always, you will notice red faster than you notice any other color, I feel like. Yeah, maybe the, maybe yellow. Oh, that's true. Red, yeah, red or those yellow. Those kind of yeah. colors. Yeah. So very bright or orange, red, orange, yellow are, are the ones that you notice uh, most quickly. One sort of why we paint school buses yellow or things, if fire engines red, those are colors that are very noticeable. Red has some associations with also 
speed, aggressiveness. So red cars, we talked about sexy red dresses or lipstick. Um, the idea of uh, seeing red when you're angry. So there's this side of it, which is really the more kind of an aggressive or out there, no, get notice me type of feeling. But red's also strongly associated with the emotion of love. So red roses, red hearts at Valentine's Day. And so you kind of go, okay, how could these two, how could these one color have two such opposite, uh, how could it make us feel two such opposite ways? Any ideas? They're kind of the same in some regard, right? Like it represents warning, but also passion and <laughs> excitement and differences. Like they're so, they're directly opposite emotions, but also kind of the same. Like, for example, not to get into this lot of stuff, like I love my wife, but I also like her because she's new to me. She's vibrant. She's life in the same way, right? So she's dangerous but enticing in the same way. <laughs> well, you're, you're very, you're very, uh, it, it, you've tuned in, you've kind of honed in on what I was um, sort of part of the explanation, because here's the thing. So when you think about the idea of red being associated with anger or aggression, it makes your heart beat faster, might make you feel a little bit more kind of revved up energy. So they get tangled up in our brain so it's hard to say is the is the reason we're feeling that way love or anger because there's a, sort of a similar physical response so red also has the ability to do that momentarily for us are there any other colors that are kind of even if not at that level but are they're high up on that kind of oh like yeah, reaction blue. scale blue blue is a really great one too because blue is known to calm us down and blue can have a very, just the opposite effect of red. It can make us feel, ah, take a breath, breathe a little deeper, take a rest. So there's something very calming about it. And researchers don't know exactly why, but part of it they think could be because back in the times when we were working out in fields and outside most of the time, the times we took a break, we did two things. We either sat by water or we sort of laid in the grass on our back and looked up at the sky. Those are times of rest and that got our brain thinking that when we see blue, that those are the times that we're, we're calming ourselves down. Is there any color though that like nothing, we feel nothing in regards to that color? Um, no, no, not that I'm aware of because I can, I can give you, give you examples of everything. Even white people go, well, what about white? Like, no, I don't think about white. Well, yeah, you do. White is fresh. It's refreshing. It's, it's sort of things that are pure. But most importantly to a lot of people, it's the idea of a clean slate. So it's like the NY people that are sometimes overwhelmed are attracted to very minimalist or even white just surroundings is because it's clearing. It seems like, and you know, open possibilities, nothing confrontational. Um, so you can, we also see often the idea of white is being trusted. Uh, although blue is the most trusted color, even grays and neutrals that you might think, well, who cares? It's gray, it's beige. But there's the association of stability, a strong foundation. Often when life is upsetting or we're feeling unstable, 
we find ourselves more attracted to those neutrals because of that feeling of sturdiness and stability. I think people often think it's because we want to make, and you know, we're, if we're concerned about finances, let's say, that we're attracted to those collars because they're safe. Well, safe means more than just the fact that they're going to go with everything and not go out of style. It means that we feel like there's some security there. So do brands use this kind of color theory, color psychology to basically get us to do stuff? Absolutely. <laughs> yes, ab absolutely. It's so studied and it's so interesting to understand your reaction. Now, this is the fourth thing that when I say is to me is some of the most interesting things. So as buyers, it really shouldn't surprise any of us that color can influence purchasing decisions. But you might be almost taken aback by just how influential color is. So when you look at a new product or when any consumer looks at a product, they tend to make a decision about that product in 90 seconds or less. And the single most crucial component in that decision is color. Color accounts for roughly, I think about 90% of the initial judgment. So do you think it's influential? <laughs> yes. But and I'll give you an example. This is one of my favorites because I just think this is something people, every person can relate to. If you were going to go buy a new car and you had not only the car in mind, but I'm sure you have a color in mind. So let's say you wanted that red sports car and you show up money in hand ready to buy it. And the only color they had was black. Would you still buy it? Not if you dreamed of red, most people wouldn't. They would go somewhere else. They would sometimes, in certain instances, depending on what it is, they might even switch brands. Um, so there's a big, people want things in the color and the more personal the purchase, the more important it is to the person to have it in their particular choice of color because it says something about you. That is absolutely true. There are things that... I, I would honestly say my biggest purchasing decisions in regards to car has been based on the color of the car. <laughs> of course, And that probably <laughs> alone, not alone, but like, well, did, is it, did they come, does it come in silver or blue? And if it didn't, mm -hmm. I'm not buying it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How about your cell phone? Yeah. <laughs> straight minimalist black. Yeah. Right? Every cell phone that I've ever owned, straight minimalist black. Yeah. Got everything. Yes. Even down to things that you wouldn't think are that in that that are kind of funny. Things like washer and dryer. It, it, years ago, they became sort of a status symbol to have certain colors. And now people, companies will actually from a brand, let's say a particular brand, uh, a big retailer may ask for a special color just because they know that if they can only get it from you, people will be likely to come and buy it because if it's the same product, but they want your color, they'll come and purchase that from you because that's how important the getting the color is. They'll specifically design it based on what colors they think people will buy. Oh, sure, sure, yeah. Yeah, people will, companies do that. You can even own a color uh, for certain categories of products. So think of, um, Owens Corning owns pink for insulation. So if you go buy someplace that's building a home and you see pink, everybody knows what that is because they're the only company that can make insulation in that color. So you work with a lot of companies, I guess, kind of describe to me generally like what you do. 
Well, I've done a lot of things over the years. I work today mainly with manufacturers and I work with them specifically on color, but not always choosing color. I used to do more making color choices, color trends predictions. Today, my main focus is on one thing and one thing I think I do very well, which is explain color in a way that the average consumer can make an excellent color decision. How did you get into this? Oh, that's another great question. My background is not in interior design, like many people think. I have a studio art, drawing and painting background. When I got out of college, I had to go to work and actually make a living. And I went to work in, um, in manufacturing, in menswear apparel to begin with, but uh, and then team sportswear. So I used to do work with the NFL and do the team uniforms and those kinds of things and work with the uh, I worked at Reebok and we outfitted 10 NFL teams and a lot of college teams. And I also did a men's sportswear line. And that's a big place where I honed my color trend forecasting skills. Now, the brands that you work with and the manufacturers you work with, like, do they endlessly sweat over this and been like, it's going to, should we take green one or green two? Should we take green one or green two? Like, do they antagonize? agonize over this does it really make a difference or is it like look people want green just it, just make it green oh no it's it's very specific and we do agonize about it and people spend a lot of time considering the color and the specific, exact specific color but the thing is it's kind of good news because when i first got into this well over 30 years ago maybe closer to 40 <laughs> um I would be working in a company and sometimes we'd spend all this time putting the color palette together and the CEO or the marketing manager or somebody go, yeah, my wife didn't like that one. So we don't want to make that. I'm like, what are you kidding? That's what it comes so, down to. Because the they end, didn't, right? you know what? They didn't understand at that time, like most people don't, how influential color is and how much goes into thinking about it and making those decisions. And so, but once I think corporations saw how much it could affect the bottom line, they took a lot more notice. So today, yes, it's very, very well thought out. And a green is not just a green, heaven forbid. But I understand that most people wouldn't care so much about putting, putting the energy into finding the difference in kind of the nuance of the color. But that kind of sounds like the way that it is, like brands and, agon and wait, agonize over it. And for consumers, it's a snap decision and like, I don't like that one. You're absolutely right. But here's the thing. When you put in the time to doing the color trend forecasting and figuring it out, I've long said the best trend forecasters are, are the ones that are just tuned in on what you're going to want and don't know it. So they're going to they're going to figure out what the color is that when you see it you're going to make that snap decision and go oh I love that. That's it. Gosh, I didn't know I needed that in that particular green. So then how do you do color forecasting, right? Like how do trends change in color? Well, there's a lot that goes into it, but I'll try to simplify it in just a couple of uh, just a couple of ideas. One, there's a lot about of what's going on in the world. So as I always say, the issues that keep you awake at night. So whatever it is, are we worried about the, the economy? A lot of people today are worried about the economy. Are we worried about, are we gonna have a job? Or, there's all these things that concern us. 
And based on what's concerning us and on our mind, it's going to influence what we want to surround ourselves with. And the things that affect color affect everything in the world. It's no different. So if you think of it this way, we're always trying to get in balance. So if we're feeling like we need, we're concerned about one thing, what color makes us feel a little better and helps bring us back into balance? So if you said, we talked about it earlier, I'm low on energy. What might I like? Well, you might like a bright, exuberant color, like I'd be attracted to red or yellow or something, or you might be so out of energy that you want something like blue and just go, or white, just take me away from it all. It really is almost that simple. The other thing that affects color trends are where, what's everyone looking at? So when I say that, it's what's going on in the world that we're all suddenly turning our attention. And I think a good example of this would be the Olympics. So when Olympics are in a particular country, for a year or two beforehand, we learn a lot about that country. We see little snippets about their culture, and we see things that we like. And so when the uh, Olympics were in London, let's say, everywhere you saw that, keep calm and carry on. Keep, you know, whatever. And they made thousands of variations of that little slogan because it came out of something that came out, of, you know, was a, a very UK kind of thing. When we were looking at China, the colors from China, like red and gold, became more popular in the palette. We cherry pick what we like about something. And then the last thing is just simply technology. So what's cool? What's new? What can we do now in color that we haven't been able to do before? So that will also also influence. But the what we're looking at can even be the movies. And one of the best examples of that is when that acid green became very popular. It was based on Shrek. So when the movie Shrek came out shortly thereafter, everybody wanted acid green. And we thought it was going to be for kids and sports and rec, but it even went into home. People just, everybody just seemed to like that color. That's so interesting. So, okay, let's, hypothetical situation. It's 2023 and the economy is going down. So like you would look at the news that's happening today or at that time and say, well, People think of green and money, so we don't want to make green in 2024. <laughs> People do associate green with money. In fact, it's in one study, it was the favorite color of millionaires. Uh, it was green. Now, I don't know that it was just coincidental, um, but uh, my son's favorite color is green, so I have big hopes for him. Um, but we do associate something when we're feeling that way, and let's take it back to about 2008. Remember 2008? People weren't yep. feeling great about the economy. Initially, the very first reaction was fun, bright colors. And I used to joke, I said, well, when you can't look at your portfolio to make you feel good, you've got to have something surrounding you that makes you feel good. But that becomes short-lived for maybe a season or two, and then we start to look for those neutrals, those stabilities, those stabilizing colors that can make us feel like, okay, everything's going to be okay. That's so interesting to me. It's fascinating. Now you're going to think, you're going to totally think about your choices differently. Oh, all the time. I would like every single choice that I make, right? Like, mm -hmm. is it because I like that or because I like that color? And mm -hmm. I honestly don't know which one it is. It might <laughs> Neither be. Neither do most people. <laughs> Not, right. Um, yeah. Are you ready for some harder slash listener submitted questions? Sure. Bring them on. Let's start controversial. Who has more of an eye for color or pays more attention to color, men or women? 
Oh, it's not controversial. It's scientifically proven that women do. By a lot or by like a little? It, quite a bit. The women's yeah. vocabulary, and here's why. You remember I said earlier about vocabulary? The vocabulary for color for women is much broader. We have many, many more words that we regularly use for color, and there's definitely a connection between the words you use and how interested and well you see it. I've heard the same thing about women and smells, that because women are generally more associated and just historically with, you know, the cooking and the cleaning, that they're generally around more smells and that by for my wife, she makes the choices of what kind of things that we're getting. So she's looking at colors much more than I am. Mm -hmm. That's yeah, it is. And in fact, scent is something that's very closely associated with colors. And right now, talk about not being aware of colors. I don't want to get off track because it's not my exact, you know, it's not really my total specialty, but I'm something I'm very interested in is scent marketing. And almost everywhere you go into a hotel, a cruise, certain stores, even Starbucks, it's all piped in scent. So you probably thought Starbucks always smelled like coffee just on their own, but Starbucks has to cover the breakfast sandwiches, the food. They have to mask that smell and pipe in, I think, some coffee smell. Does the hue matter? Like how much does the hue matter in something, right? So example, um, this blue, blue, blue creates this kind of an emotion, but is light blue a different emotion than dark blue? Like, does the hue matter? Yes. That's kind of the, the, I could, like, if you want to say nuance of color. So one particular blue would create this feeling. And then if you change it, make it lighter, darker, more green, all of those little changes are very specific to how we react to something. And green might be an example where green in a springy green that's a little bit yellow could make us think of things that are fresh in growth and um, oftentimes even financial growth. That's why H&R Block used that for their little square for their for their logo. There's the, that idea, but take it a little bit more yellow or murky and pretty gross. soon it's slimy and gross and drab. Yeah, so there's, there's there's those changes in how how things make you feel where you can take it a little bit slightly bluer and all of a sudden it's very calming and beachy. And so, yes, definitely the, the nuances of the color can change how we think about it and how we react to it. Favorite, what's your favorite color? Oh, I absolutely have a favorite. People think that's like saying I have a favorite child which I have that too, because I only have one. Um, <laughs> so I do have a favorite child and I have a favorite color. It's blue-green. Any shade of kind of blue-green, turquoise, teal uh, is my favorite. But I have a confession. I was born on the cusp of Aquarius the water bear and Pisces the fish. So how could I not like a watery hue? Most overused color. Like, oh, they got to stop. Everybody's got to stop painting their house. They got to stop making that color. <laughs> people, like... people said gray recently because so many people liked it. And I think the thing is any color that lots and lots of people use all at the same time. So back in the day, we had the turquoise and chocolate brown trend that people seem to everyone oh, yeah, probably yeah. before you, maybe before your decorating days. But it was so popular that uh, I used to call it chalk, chocwa. 
I gave it its only its own name. It was such a popular trend. And then at some point, people just got tired of it. They're like, no, I don't want no, I don't want that color. I don't want that combination. Um, now with gray being so popular, a lot of people are saying, okay, get over it. Enough gray already. And let's move on to more colors. Color that is fantastic, but must be used sparingly. Like, oh, that's great. Like, to me, it's like hot sauce. Like, I like it every once in a while. <laughs> there's there's not that. The answer to that isn't specific to a particular color as much as it is to you yourself. So I'd say a lot of times people will see something new, and often it is a brighter color. So let's go back to that acidy green. Great color. But do you want your whole, do you want every wall in your house painted that color? No, but could you use it in some accessory and it'd be really fun and stand out and be great? I think that's true of everything. And the other thing is, is sometimes what people call those ugly colors are exactly what you need to have a little bit of to break up all the rest. Because we're always by compare, we're always kind of seeing color in comparison. So often sort of those murky or neutral colors will make other colors stand out. So it just depends on what that is for you. But I would just say if you see something, a color that hasn't been in sort of your world or your something you've been interested in before and all of a sudden you're very attracted to it, don't go out and buy lots of stuff in it. Buy one thing. Usually we like similar colors through our life and just add them a, a little bit like we can like something for a moment and then be over it. But then there's those other things that we just like our whole life. I like this question. It's maybe you can answer it. Maybe you can't. Why do they only make men's shirts in blue and white? Oh, well, <laughs> that's a good question, but it's absolutely not, not true. And here's why I say it's not. Um, I don't remember if it was the U.S. or U.K. where there was a study done and it was a while ago where pink actually overtook blue is the second most popular shirt to white. And it since was then edged out by purple, lavender. What is your least favorite color? Oh, I, I actually don't have a least favorite, but here's what I will say about that is there's no bad colors. There's no colors I don't think are favorites, but there are some unfortunate color combinations. What's the best NFL uniform color-wise? Oh, good question. You know what? I got so burnt out on sports teams. I haven't been paying as much attention lately. Um, I was around in the time when they changed San Francisco 49ers. In fact, it was my team that worked on that to change it from red in this kind of unattractive khaki tan with some green in it to the current colors, which are a better tan in that burgundy uniform. And I still love that combination. I loved it when we did it. I loved it today. There's some well, other good ones out there. That too. is probably to me the one, the Seahawks I think is good too. Where they've oh, got see, that, like, I did yeah. the Seahawks as well. <laughs> yeah, I worked on that. I mean, I've been to that stadium many it's, times. So basically but... it's all you. <laughs> no, it's, it's just, those, they're just good colors. I can't take credit for it. It's just the, like I say, the color hall of fame. That would be one of the things that I worked on. I feel like the best color combinations are always something different something traditional but a little different like i think sure. of this, like i think of the san francisco 49ers where it's that solid red that oh everybody's likes red but it's a little different red mm -hmm. and then it's the different like they do have cool looking uniforms so you did a good job <laughs> thanks i'm not sure they're exactly the same ones i worked on but they are cool uniforms um and seahawks in seahawks the green and blue always a classic i mean it's just 
you know, at one time there used to be saying blue and green should never be seen, seen together, but it's the earth. That's everything. I, I, I happen to love that combination. That kind of leads us into this question. Who makes colors better, nature or us? Oh, nature. Is it even now, We make some awesome colors, but boy, if I ever want to get inspired, all you have to do is really go out and look around and look closely at some of the colors and the combinations, the nuances of color. It's amazing. Best named color, worst named color. Like, ooh, that's a good Oh, name. well, there's one that I think a lot of your listeners may know. I'm not a waitress, which was a nail color by OPI. It's because uh, it was a Rick Red nail polish color. Uh, but there's so many good, there's so many great names. It's, I think it's not so much a bad name as much as the idea that the name can sway your impression of the color, again, to what you even see in it. So if you read, hear or see a name, it can almost change because you're looking for what you want to see. Can you walk into someone's house and tell what kind of person they are by the colors they've chosen? <laughs> yes. yes, absolutely. You're making me laugh because in I did an, um, something for House Beautiful magazine, and they just sent me 10 pictures of people's houses and say, what does it say about them? And I thought, okay, I'll give it a shot. And um, I sent back what I you know, what I thought, what it said to me about the person. And the editor-in-chief sent me back a letter and say, oh my gosh, I am blown away by this. Now, I didn't know why, because I didn't know where those rooms came from, who they were, what he knew. I didn't know what they were. I just had a picture and uh, of the design and the color choices. And then the magazine comes out and I read all the articles. Well, he already knew what I didn't know, which was people talked about themselves and their houses and everything the information was so absolutely on target it even frightened me it was like oh my god this is amazing is what what color choice says the most about somebody well i think it's the, your personal items so i i wouldn't even say necessarily clothes clothes can say something but there's a lot of things that can influence what kind of clothes we choose and some people don't even think that much about it but the things like if you choose a particular color for your car for your cell phone, for the things that are part of your everyday life that you feel reflect your personality, those say the most. If you've taken the time to decorate your home, it says a tremendous amount about you just by your color choices and the way you've, the amounts of color, the way you've used things. It just says, a, it can say a lot about you. Hardest color to create. Uh, I think the hardest color, well, there's a couple of things that people might not think of because they're probably thinking of something really like a cool color, but black and white. Uh, it's very hard because you can't really get pure white. And white, believe it or not, even for house paint, only came, I think it was in the 40s it became popular because before that, there was not a good white paint. Uh, and then black, to get this true, they call it now Vanta black, a very, very deep, dark black, because black, just by the nature of pigments, will actually have either a little bit of blue or it'll seem a little green. It's, it's not so easy to make pure colors. Um, and then the ones that are frustrating for people are things like beiges and grays, because they sometimes can look different than what they appear. Once you, you know, you might, when you hold it something in isolation, even white, 
you can think, oh yeah, it's just white. Put that next to three other whites and you'll realize that some of them are a little yellow, some of them might be a little blue, some of them are a little more gray. So only by comparison can we see colors. And so oftentimes that's why people get frustrated. Now, I just happen to like making cool colors. So I'm with whoever asks, because that's probably what they're thinking is like, well, how could you make like fuchsia or hot pink or something fun? They're actually oftentimes easier to make than the, the neutrals. What, what do you think is the future of color? Like what's the, where do you think this goes? What do you think the hot new trend is? Well, you started to talk about trends a little bit before, and I will tell you that most trends are forecast out for years. I think the some of the longer ones are like autos. The color that they're going to make cars are from five to seven years from now is what they're looking at right now, is what the color will be popular in five to seven years. So I that's generally how three years kind of minimum of what we're looking out at. In fact, when I did nothing but color trend forecasting, I'd be so thinking so far in the future that when I'd be in a store and I'd see something, I'm like, oh, is that now? <laughs> is, that, is that out now, finally? <laughs> I'd forgotten about that color because we talked about that two years ago uh, because we're working, you know, the manufacturing cycle and so forth. But I think the future of color in general, trends will always be important because we just want to try to figure out what people are going to want to surround themselves with. But it's less about trendy and it's more about finding what works for you and just being being more confident and feeling like you can do your own thing. And I see many younger people feeling totally confident about making decisions and not agonizing it about it in the way that we used to. Is it going to be liked? Is it on trend? Is it the right color? No, because there is no longer a right or wrong anything when it comes to color. It's what you, it's, it's you understanding how to take that vision out of your head and have that show up either in your home or whatever, however you're using it. And I think that's going to become more, I think that's going to become more and more true. And we're going to use it to express ourselves in a lot of different ways. How do you feel that I don't like the color khaki? I've always hated that color. Is it the name or the color? I think it's actually the name now that I think about it. <laughs> It's not a good name. No, it's um, yeah. a terrible name. Khaki is khaki. Well, it also khaki is one of those colors that have yeah can have a lot of a lot of variations, and many of them are unattractive. So I can understand that. Khaki is the worst color, worst name color. I'm going to go ahead and claim that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think that's a, I think that is a pretty a pretty bad one. It probably is not. Maybe it's not a great color on you either, is it? No. And it reminds <laughs> me of. Um, Middle management. <laughs> yes, yes. I want to thank Kate so much for joining us. If you want to connect with her, we have linked to her on our social media accounts. We're profoundly pointless on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. And we've also included her information in the episode description. Okay, now let's bring in John Shaw and get to the pointless part of the show. When you're buying something, do you ever buy something just because of the color that it is? No, not at all. Not at all. You know, I, I, I guess shoes. Shoes are probably the only thing. I've bought in pairs of shoes before based upon the color and the pattern. I would agree with shoes are probably the biggest way that color impacts my life is in my purchases. And then probably second, a car in terms of where I'm going to buy something based solely on the color that it is. Like if it's a t-shirt or clothes, 
well, I'd probably just get the other color that I like. But <laughs> shoes, if it's not exactly what I want, I'm not buying it. I mean, for, for clothes, I, I'm pretty simple. It's either black, blue, or, you know, a dark color. I don't wear, you know, big people, big dudes don't wear a lot of light colors. So I, I'm pretty limited to my color spectrum for clothes. Do you have a green shirt? I do. Uh, yeah, I have multiple. Well, I have multiple green shirts, yes. How, how many green shirts do you have? There's a reason that I'm asking this question because I have a theory about it. How many green shirts do you have? What percentage of your wardrobe is green? Oh, well, I mean, let's. We, we've kind of touched on this before. If I have 50 to 100 shirts, I probably... can't believe you have that many shirts. That's a ridiculous number of shirts for you to have. I honestly probably don't have 20. <laughs> well, you've been wearing the same one for the last 10 years, which is good for you. It means you haven't grown any. It means you're staying, you know, little. That's good for you. I feel like that's a backhanded compliment. But anyway, all right, so what percentage of your 100-plus shirts that you own would you say are green? Uh, I mean, I'll say I have less than five, so I guess we'll go less than less than 5%. <sighs> Man. That throws my theory out the window. I had a theory that big guys always like to wear green shirts. You see big guys in green shirts a lot. Uh, can we talk about some of your personal habits really quick? Uh, sure. Can you explain to me how you spent $60 at a Taco Bell on yourself? Because that is possibly the most ridiculous thing that I've ever heard. And I don't understand how it's possible how you could buy $60 worth of food for yourself at a Taco Bell. Well, it wasn't just – it was for me and two other people, which still doesn't make it that great. However, uh, so we ordered – I mean, I'll break it down if you really want me to get into it. Uh, We ordered four cheesy gordita crunches, uh, four chalupas. And then eight soft tacos, and yes, that came out to $56. That's actually not that ridiculous now that I think about it. Here, Here's here's my question. is Taco Bell is the go-to fast food drunk restaurant, right? Like, it just is. I think that you could put in and out up against it, but it's but, probably overall number one. I would say probably Taco Bell, in and out and then Denny slash iTop. IHOP slash Waffle House, depending well, on you're where you're talking like a straight Midwesterner right there. I'm talking about like country. I, mean, I don't even think there's in and out in Michigan. No, they tend to stay only in the good parts of the country. <laughs> Get out of here with that. Are we really getting in a fight about cities? Yeah, let's not do it. Let's not <laughs> is this do a it. stage of our, my city is better. What percent, how much precipitation you got in Detroit, huh? What's your precipitation <laughs> levels? I can tell you it snowed a week and a half ago at the end of April. How many times do you think it snows in Seattle? Most people would not realize two weather facts about Seattle since you have taken us down this awful road that we have no choice (laughs) but to finish. Two weather facts about Seattle I'm going to ask you. Number one, how how often do you think it snows? Number two, how much rain do you think that Seattle gets in comparison to other major cities? So the rain, I believe Seattle is one of the the highest totals amongst major cities, I believe, if not the highest. That would be completely incorrect. Seattle actually ranks fairly low in the amount of rain that it gets. What happened is it rains a lot, but it rains very little in terms of amount. So it's basically just a constant drizzle throughout all of winter. So it, the days it rains is a lot, but the amount it rains is actually not very much. 39 inches, which is less than most major cities. Like Nashville gets 53. Uh, we had, do we have any listeners left? 
I feel like you wanted to go down this this path. You had everything like queued up here to to talk about it. I saw a video about it on YouTube yesterday. And I'm not going to even answer the snow question because I'll be wrong. Just take a guess. Take a guess. Huh? Huh? I, I how would much think snow do you think it gets? How many? How many days? Hmm? How, well, I'm I'm going to say probably 40 inches a winter. And that would be incorrect. We get five inches of snow. Snows on average one day of the year. Get the what? Yeah, no, nobody believes it. Seattle doesn't. It does not get snow because we're right next to the ocean, bro. No. Ocean life, yeah. salt life, Fucking son. Free. <laughs> okay, yeah, you have to go down. You have to go down the coast there to get to salt life. You guys are in like whale life and hippie more life, hipster like life up there. More like whale life. It's kind yeah, of cold. Life. Pretty fucking whale life. Whales are pretty cool animals. I saw though. a whale. Honestly, it was fucking amazing. <laughs> like, if you've never seen a whale in real life, then those are big. Like, imagine You're... an animal the size of two school buses just floating right past you. Man, and he doesn't. They don't give a shit. That's the best part. Why would they? I would. What animal do you think gives a shit the least? Oh well. Oh well. I mean, I would argue uh, a sea creature like that, but I mean. I feel like lions don't give a shit because they know that they could destroy us in a heartbeat. But don't fuck with the wrong human because you might get shot. I'm going to probably say whales, probably. And then a rhino. Like, I think that lions are probably a little bit afraid of us. But I get the impression that a rhino is like a big dummy and doesn't, like, I'm not worried about this. I'm going forward. And if you're in my way, you're going to get out of it because I'm a rhino. Okay, what what do you say in a text message or a social media post when you don't really care or know what to say but feel like you should say something what's your go-to i'll usually look on the post and and copy copy a few people's uh posts you know and then i'll I'll kind of blend it all together and make it my own if i can't come up with something that's either brilliant or everybody is seeing right through that for instance, if someone said, you know, if someone does a post about uh, a loved one dying or something, and I mean, what what can you really? I mean, what can you really say? You're gonna right? go, you got to start off with that. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm just saying, like, what what are you supposed to say? Uh, you know, I'm sorry, I'm here if you need me. So, you know, I have always wanted to start saying, both upon friends of mine, family members, celebrities on social media, whenever somebody dies, I've always wanted to just put good. <laughs> Good. I mean, or just I guess always could, do that. I guess we could talk about this now, but I, I wanted to get your opinion on this Amber Heard Johnny Depp trial. But people love celebrity trials. I don't get it. Like, I just don't understand it. Re- nothing is more entertaining than real life if people are exposed to it. Right. Like, I think that's why interviews with people are so interesting and courtroom drama is so interesting because it's like, oh, wow. Like you're finding out the real story about something like, oh, that's what that's what Johnny Depp and Amber Heard are really like. <laughs> like this is oh, this is what's really happening. All that money, fame, power, wealth, and you're falling asleep naked with ice cream in your hands <laughs> looking like a. 15-year-old drunk person, and you still got all these problems, right? I'm, I You're mean, exactly like me. Wait, so you just admitted that you fall asleep naked with ice cream in your hands? I have, not in my hands, but I, Ooh. my wife can firmly recall the story of me falling asleep, not falling asleep, passing out 
would be the real word with a full piece of pizza in my mouth. And she had to come and take the pizza out before I choked to death. Heimlich, get this man a. Do you know how to do the Heimlich? Do you know how to? Could you do it if you had to? No, I mean, I I think I could, but I don't. I I would just be all sheer luck if I got it to work. Are you ready for the uh, candle of the month? No. Oh. We do shout outs and then we do candle of the month. I know. I just got really excited for this one. I'm sorry. All right, uh, let's give some shout outs and get the get it out of the way. Go ahead and guarantee that the color of the candle greatly influences your choices. And I'm going to go ahead and say that because spring and summer is coming along, you picked a brighter colored candle. Mm-mm, wrong, actually. What'd you get? Black licorice? Wrong. No, I, I would say the colors are actually pretty dull. It's, it's a dull it's a dull colored candle. I can't even say dull right. Dull? Dull? Dull. 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 Dull colored. Well, it's because colored, like dull colored. It's the dull colored candle. <laughs> All it right, is a just... little bit hard to say. Dull colored candle. Because it comes right together. Dull colored candle. Dull colored candle. Okay. Candle. All right. Uh, Pablo Garcia. Omar Antonio. Alan Vargalese. Sherman Lackland Jr. Ed Romo. Stan Dunlap. Uh, Jared C. Uh, oh boy, Armin Melkonyan, Maxwell Pisano, and Taji Alston. Appreciate all of you. When you pick these names, do you deliberately pick ones that you have no idea how to pronounce, or are you staying away from the ones? Are these like the ones that you think, like, oh, I got these? <laughs> uh, I, you know, I had actually rehearsed Armin Melkonyan's name couple of times but uh when i'm on the spot it's you know i get stage fright get a little nervous mm. i understand i understand okay. but thank you for for picking that out all right so my candle of the month this month for all of you candle con connoisseurs out there <laughs> is uh it's by soak sunday that's the candle company and it's called cleo's paradise honey and oat what check it out Cleo's Paradise Honey and Oat. What does it smell like? Tell us about it. Tell us about the candle. Tell me the color. What kind of? How many wicks we talking? What's the price point? So it's going to be probably about forty bucks. Oh, three wick. It burns for thirty six to forty eight hours, which is quite a long time. It's going to be uh, the candle itself is going to be a beige color with a little bit of dark darkness to it at the bottom. That's where the oat and the honey comes into play, and it comes in a very nice glass container. And uh, I believe Soak Sunday is an only an online brand at, the, at this moment, so check them out. I don't get paid to say this, and uh, they haven't sent me anything for free, so if, if you want. I can't imagine why. And you're listening. <laughs> it's it's okay. awesome, man. It, it's great. Why, it's, uh, all right. So now why does the number of the wicks matter, right? Is a one-wick candle not as good as a two-wick? Three-wick? What's the most wicks you've ever had on a candle? Uh, I uh, to see a, to find a four wick candle is kind of obscure. Usually it's usually it's one or three, um, two just kind of gets left out for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. But it, it all depends what you're going for. I mean, a one wick candle will do the job, but it's going to take longer, obviously, because there's only one wick producing the energy. If there's three wicks, you have a lot more energy, which means it's going to smell and the scent's going to get out a lot faster. Have you Holy ever had? Shit. A- I just said that. Yeah. 
Have you ever had a candle that you thought to yourself, wow, if this three wicker was a one wicker or this one wicker was a three wicker, <laughs> this would be a lot better candle. Have you ever thought, mm, too oh. much wick, not enough wick? So, you know, for instance, when I go on my candle spending sprees, a lot of times I'll get the one wicks because they're considerably cheaper. And yes, there are scents that I have wished that I would have bought bought in the bigger candle, you know, the three wick or or even just the more volume size candle because uh, you know, it just it smells so damn good. I just want to remind everybody that John has two children and has been laid at least twice that we can <laughs> that we that he can prove <laughs> like he has it's had fun. sex at least two times. What's funny, listen, if 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 you're a brand new listener to this or you've never checked out our social media you should go find an old video of me because I do not look like, or maybe I do look like somebody that likes candles. And I'm not really saying there's a stereotype of people that likes candles, but I think you look at me and you don't think that guy's intelligent enough to know about candles like he does. It doesn't help that your current haircut looks like a raised flat top. <laughs> they I messed like- it up, actually. And I love this barber. And uh, they uh, he he, he messed it up because. Do you go to a get, barber? Or do you go to a stylist? I go to a barber. Go to a barber shop. Hmm. I have generally not been happy with the result of men cutting my hair. I usually specifically will go to a woman. Mm. But recently, I've been going to a barber because he's cheap. <laughs> uh, I actually I had probably my favorite barber. But then I had to stop going because we had a falling out, and uh, now I found a new barber, and uh, they, they take care of me. So, What do you mean you had a falling out with a barber? It's, it's a long story. Uh, I mean, I can, Well, make let, it fast. Let me see if I can condense this here. So I've been uh, – I, I live about, uh, I don't know, four miles outside of the Detroit city limits. The barber shop was down, is downtown. Can I point uh, this out really quickly? Is that one of the things that John and I have talked about many times is that John has a history of being overly confrontational and upset I'm, about services gonna, that I'm are gonna provided drink to him. He is, quite frankly, a little bit of a Karen when it comes to customer service. He's <laughs> had multiple incidents at drive throughs and there seems to be a pattern. So let's go ahead and hear this story about how you had a falling out with your barber. First off, I'm not a Karen. That's a good, that's a good neck crack. Thanks. I'm not a Karen, first off. Secondly, uh, what had happened was I think I had the appointment booked for like 10.30 in the morning. I Like I said, I live a few miles outside of the city limits, so I'm going down I-75. There's an accident. I don't call them that I'm going to be about 10 minutes late. I get there okay. to the, the barber. I, I feel like anything over 20, you should call them. But anyways, mm, I think if I think when it comes to that kind of stuff, specifically men's haircuts where you can do them pretty quickly, I think that you probably should have made that call within the five to ten minute range. How long have you been a customer? I mean, I've been a customer there for years, at least three years. And he knew me okay. uh, and I, okay. I, I okay. you know, so so I get there and I'm kind of upset because we all <laughs> we all know that I have traffic anxiety and driving anxiety. And okay. I get there, and I, I walk up, and usually, you know, I just, hey, I'm here, you know, I'm here for Mike, blah, blah, blah. And I go to walk up, and this time, the uh, the receptionist or whatever stops me, and she's like, oh, hey, Mike, Mike just left. Uh, and I'm like, what do you mean he just left? You know, I'm, I'm like 17 minutes late, and uh, he he said he, he counted me as a no-show and just left me. And, uh, and, and so I, I called him the next day, and I was like, hey, man, you know, 
Uh, I even apologized. I was like, sorry if like I, you know, I should have called. Um, you know, I wasn't really thinking. I didn't think it would be that big of a deal. And uh, he just kind of went off on me about how hard it is to be a barber and, you know, that he doesn't need to wait around for me. And uh, I was like, all right, man, well, you know, I, I, the fact that I live outside city limits pretty far now, I'll just try to get a, a barber closer to my house. And it, it's worked out for, for the best. Hmm. I think you might be right on this one. You should have called, but you should have called. You can't be accept, upset that he didn't wait for you, but he can't be mad. Like, th- this is a business, and he should have treated it like a business at the end. I even went above and beyond and called him the next day, and then when he was kind of rude and condescending to me, I said, all right, I'll go somewhere where it's half what you what you charge, and it'll be the – you know, I'm a dude, right? Like, I have a simple haircut. I don't need to be spending $45 on a haircut every six weeks. Did you call him at his work phone or you call him his personal phone? I called him. I called him on, on. I didn't have his personal. I called him on his work phone. Oh, he went off on you at work? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's definitely his fault then. Yeah, you can't do that kind of stuff. Because not only then is he going off on you, but other customers are listening to this. Like, what are you trying to prove? That you're the <laughs> toughest barber in town? Yeah. Did he ask you what happened? Because how does he know that, like... He he actually he didn't. He never once asked me what happened. I had to tell him again, assuming that he had been told uh the day before. So mm, Yeah. Okay. Well you get a pass on that one, but you your history. Like you weren't guilty this time, but you definitely have a guilt you got your criminal record is long, so <laughs> watch it. Let's yeah, let's not uh let's not delve into uh criminal histories on this podcast here. Okay. Uh uh, let me see here. Uh, as you get older, uh, would you rather have bad eyesight or bad hearing? Oh, God. Bad eyesight or bad hearing? I guess I would ultimately probably go with bad hearing. I think I'd rather have bad hearing. I would rather have my eyesight be proportionally better than my hearing as I got older. Just seems like you'd be able to get through life a little bit easier. Like you could, like hearing is not that important to driving, and you can put on closed <laughs> captioning, and it wouldn't be bad to, quite frankly, not have to listen to most of the people in, in everybody's <laughs> daily lives. I, I agree with you 100. percent I, I I don't. I was thinking about this the other day. I don't want to ever lose my eyesight. I couldn't imagine, you know, not having sight and people who don't have it. You get some mad props because That's y'all tough. are incredible. Has there ever been something that throughout your life you've always been afraid that this is going to happen to you? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if it's a mean to say out loud, but uh, uh, turning into one of my parents. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, which I feel like is an, I feel like it's inevitable. I mean, I feel like we try and we try and we try. And no matter what you do, you're still going to have some trait or physical attribute, something. Oh, yeah. I will notice, say that I've recently noticed things where I've been like, God, I sound like my dad. Uh, let me see here. Uh, would you rather be always angry or always hungry? Oh, always. Well, you can be both, really. If you're always hungry, <laughs> you're going to be always angry. So always angry. You know, can I, can I, this, this brings me to something here that I had a conversation with in the last week with somebody about, and I kind of want to vent about it, and I, okay. w- I want to get your opinion on it. How do you feel about the love languages? I don't even know what they are. 
you know, like uh, there's that book, you know, where you where where you you learn oh, like some people you have to like some people you got to like get gifts, physical some people touch, yeah. physical touch. Yeah. Well, I mean, my wife's my a happy wife. woman, so <laughs> <laughs> whatever the love language is, I think well, you got to give people what they want, man. Right? Mm-hmm. You have to speak the language that no. other people can communicate with. And if you're not doing that, then you're either not oh. paying attention or not putting in enough effort. <laughs> As my wife just opened up the door and is staring at me. <laughs> Did you I get probably... yelled at about the love languages by no, your No, but she, I'm pretty sure she has a kitchen knife in, in one hand. So You actually are hunched on. forward, scared looking right now. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, the love languages are great. They... Uh, Follow them, and you'll be a happy man Did or woman. Did you get told that you weren't speaking the right love languages? <laughs> oh, all, all the time. I mean, it, 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 the door oh, is shut now, by the way. You're fucking up so bad. I just... It, I, I feel like certain people, especially in my life, use use those love languages as a crutch. Uh, you know, as, as a... Uh, I'm just digging myself a hole here. First of uh, all, dude, listen, I'm just going to tell you this right now. You're complaining about your wife on a podcast that is heard by other people. You are <laughs> fucking up. You, yeah, we should, all, all the other you. married men in the world are like running to your house to like, hey man, yeah, let's you just gotta stop. stop. You got to bail out on this because you're yeah. you are not six feet. You are ten feet underground right now. Yeah, let's uh, listen. I love my wife. I do. I love her. She's great. She's a great mom. Uh, everything else, but man, this this. I'm just gonna say it. This love languages thing is—it's just—it's. I feel like it's just a fad, and it's just—it bothers the shit out of me. But well, I think that people are kind of—it's one of those things that people have always known, but now they're finding out about, and so they're referencing it in that way. Maybe you should just try to put some it, put some effort in, right? <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe that's I, all I'm saying maybe is don't, and, maybe don't talk about your wife on a podcast. If my wife comes to me and tells me that I need to, you know, give her more physical touch one more time. Anyways, God, this right. is, man, this got personal. Yeah, this, this, <laughs> this got anyways. personal. You gotta watch out. She's, give her a nice firm handshake every once a week. She right? broke her ankle. I've been massaging her, her, uh, her, uh, whatever you want to call it, her, her wound or scars. I've been ankle. giving her ankle massages. Yeah. I feel like yeah. that should count. Right now, you should demand an apology. You I, should put down the microphone and demand an apology. <laughs> you know, what I the reason you what are you the, doing, dude? The you reason are, I brought this up on the podcast is this is my safe space. You know, this is my therapy session. Well, not, so not gonna be your house isn't gonna oh. be your safe space. Well, listen, there's. I'm not thing. stopping the recording, so you, I, I'll be on for another four hours. That way, I don't have to go out of this room. God, so. listen, as my dad would say, sometimes you got to know when to shut the fuck up. <laughs> I I agree. Well, you know, happy all, wife, happy life, man. All the thousands of men out there who listen to this, don't don't do what I do, and you'll you know you'll you'll have a a long living marriage or relationship, whatever you're in. Well, all right, are you ready? Fuck. All yes, right, so our top it. five, our top five is top five colors. What's your number five? Before we get into it, can I ask you what your parameters are? Like, what did you base your list upon? Colors, like your per- personal preference. Like, like how how did you do it? I just went with the top five. What I thought were the top five colors. So my personal preferences colors is not what my top five is, but okay. it probably influenced it a little bit. 
All right. Well, then, then that I guess my hopefully my list makes sense. Uh, my number five is yellow. Oh, that's my number five is also yellow. That's the appropriate place for yellow. I feel like. I mean, there, there's a lot of yellow in the world. You know, the sun, flowers, uh, sunflowers too, uh, clothes. I mean, yellow is like a happy color. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yellow is at number five is about right where it should be. Like, it's a good color and I like it, but it's also the color of, like, what holds it back is it's also the color of, like, kind of gross stuff, like pee <laughs> and, uh, like, spoiled food. It gets a little yellowish. Yeah, yeah that that's the only thing gross. that holds yellow back. The grossness, yellow has a higher grossness factor than <laughs> other colors. Otherwise, I think it would be higher. I didn't put brown on the list, but I I thought brown. I thought I thought about putting brown on the list just because. Why? Brown should be nowhere near. Brown's one of the worst colors. But I, I guess on a practical scale, I was thinking: what colors do you come into contact with every single day? Like Pretty for much sure. All of them. Yeah, I, I think it's almost all of them. Thinking about it, but brown for sure because you know you're gonna poop every day. You just know it. No, if it's brown. Flush it down. If it's brown, flush it down. If it's if it's yellow, if it's white, make it right. Nope. If it <laughs> is there a, really a saying based around poop? Yeah, man. If it's brown, flush it down. Why if it's wouldn't yellow, you not? Why would you mellow. ever? Why would you ever not flush it down? I mean, every you didn't come... color in relation to poop, unless like it's red, and you should take it to your doctor. Should always be flushed down. Listen, you you didn't complain when I top shelfed you that one time. I don't know what is. Oh, I don't know what that is. Oh, that when you poop up there, I've never done that. I don't find um, fecal matter to be funny. I'm, I'm surprised you haven't done that. Um, no. All right, my no- control. Uh, my number four is white. The color white. I didn't put white on my list just because it's not interesting to me. Like, all right, it's white. Great. Cool. Yeah, it's it uh, it, it's like another color I have on the list. I just feel like you, they're, they're just like staples of, of 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 the color world. This and another color that I have on the list. So, white. I had to find a spot for it, so I put it at number four. My number four is a tie between silver and gray because I don't understand how those are two different colors. I've always thought they were the exact same color. Like if somebody said that's silver, oh that's gray. I don't. They look exactly the same. I see. I don't think, though. I agree that the the colors are are. I, I don't agree with you actually on anything you said. Uh, I don't. I don't think this should be on the list. I don't think uh, silver or gray should be in a top five colors list. Do you think that silver and gray are the same color? No. Okay, that shirt that's right behind you is that silver? Is that gray? Uh gray. Okay. Would you say it's the same color as this cup? No. Well, it looks like it in real life. And this is a silver cup. I believe silver is a couple of uh, color tones brighter than gray. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my number three, uh, and I'm uh, hmm, this is a really tough uh, list to put together, actually. But my number three, I have the color black. The only reason I didn't put black on any of my list is because it's the default color for everything. Yeah, I mean, right? that's like, why. Like, oh, I can't really get this in a good color that I like, but it is available in black. That's why I put it on the list is because 
I think black is probably more prevalent in everyone's uh, every day than any other color that, you know, whether we know it or not, it's it's in everything. My number three is red. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, red, red is solid. I thought really hard about putting orange in there, though. I thought really hard about it. I, uh, I also don't have, I don't have, well, I don't have orange on my list at all. Okay. What's uh, number two? Uh, so my number two is actually red. I can agree with that. I think that the, our top three colors are going to be basically all the same. Uh, my number two is green. Okay. My, my, I guess I'll just say my number one is a tie, and it's green and blue. I don't think that that's fair. I think that you need to pick a, which one is going to be number one. Then I'll go blue. Blue is my number one then. I would say that blue is probably the most people's number one color by a wide margin. Yeah, I mean, I, I like blue because it, it's it's a refreshing but stable color if that makes any kind of sense. Like, it's not like, it's not a color when you look at it, you go, man, that's really flamboyant or really eccentric, but it looks really nice. Yeah, it's like a peaceful and positive color at the same time, right? It's and like the, calming and it's like, ooh, okay, blue, all right. Everybody likes blue. Uh, I would say probably at least 40%. It would be the dominant uh, color, I believe, but I don't think it would be that much. But, yeah, I think it would be the dominant color. Yeah, I think you're probably right. What else do you have in your honorable mention? Uh, So, obviously, orange. Uh, I guess I'll, I'll put green on there. Uh, purple, uh, gray, silver, pink. Uh, and then just, just a, a favorite of mine that I didn't want to put on there, but uh, like a neon green. Uh, a neon color. I'm a big neon color uh, fan. I could see that, actually. I could see you having a lot of neon colors, like bright colored things. I do. But I... not for clothing that you wear, because you probably all have like black and gray and dark blue. But I bet your house, your personal items are filled with like bright neon, aren't they? You know, going going back to how we started this podcast, this episode... Uh, I mean, that's like the shoes. That's the kind of shoes I like are the, the really bright neon green colored shoes. Well, what's, what's your love language then? What love language do you speak? I'm an acts of service and a gifts person. Oh, does she speak your love language? (laughs) No comment. Um, it's actually fascinating. I we don't need to talk about it. It's just fascinating how, uh, like, my love languages can be traced back to how I was raised. If you really wanted to dive into your love languages, uh, or love language, it probably was based upon how you were raised. And it's just, it's kind of fascinating that way. No, yeah, I guess that's true. You should really probably stop talking about this. I I think we should have a love language expert on the next podcast. Okay, we'll try to make that happen. And we'll specifically ask them one question. Do you think that you should... I'll ask them this question. Do you think that you should criticize your significant other's love language on a podcast that is listened to by potentially hundreds of thousands of people? Okay, that's going to go ahead and do it for this episode of Profoundly Pointless. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, leave us a rating or a review We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. And let us know what are some of your favorite colors. I think it's really hard to have a top five 
and not have red, green, and blue in it. But I'm interested to see what are some other colors that people really like. And our next episode is our 200th episode. So we're going to do something special for it. Or maybe not. We might just kind of just business as usual. Probably business as usual because John will get lazy. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.